Hey everyone, we're back for another Svelte Radio episode, and uh, this time we are the full cast. Sean, Brittany, Anthony, and myself, we're back after the summer summer break, summer holiday, um, and yeah, we're, we're very excited to get into the, to the nitty-gritty of Svelte again. So, what have you guys been Yay. up to? <laughs> happy to be back and to have everyone here. And yes, really happy to be on video and to allow everyone to see our excited faces when you surprise us with your introductions. <laughs> this one wasn't too wild, right? No, it's just always no. a surprise. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so since last time, uh, Beyond got Series A, which is amazing. Yay. Oh, congrats. Yeah. And it was three times the size of the average Series A in, in England at the time, which is great. Can because you tell us what that word is and means? Series, series A. You'll like, have to say it slower, maybe. Se- series, <laughs> like as in... as in Series? Oh, a Series A. Series A, sorry, yes. Okay. Yes, yeah, sorry about my bad. You're I speaking be... English, I just... I should be clearer on a podcast. Ser- series A, it's like the, the like a funding round. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, so what are you doing with all the money? Uh, well, we're big parties, yachts, you know, the usual kind of stuff. Right? Yeah. No, actually, we, we are we are being extremely thrifty with it because it's very it was very very hard to guess. It took us it took us months, and people kept eking extra money, and it was really weird. Um, yeah, we're basically doing an international expansion. So we've just launched in the US. So we're now, I think we're already 10 people out there uh, in, in Austin. Oh, wow. Which is pretty cool. Um, and yeah, we're just sort of doing a sort of more global rollout, which is pretty cool stuff. That's amazing. Congrats. You hired 10 people in the last few months? You, be, you better believe it. Honestly, we hire people very quickly. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we're talking sales hires. We're not doing tech in the US at the moment, but we're doing like right. sales hires there. And yeah. Um, yeah, we, we seem to hire good people very quickly, which is which is surprising given how hard it is. So you're um, hiring sales in Austin, which Austin is a big tech hub right now too. It is a big tech hub. Uh, yeah, I couldn't tell you why we're doing sales in Austin. We just are. <laughs> we just built a, a new office in Austin. Hmm. Oh. Nice. Or open. Nice. I feel like there's a there's a there's a potential for a for a meetup in Austin or something. I know. I definitely we can go all there. fly in. I am going to San Antonio next month, but Mm. that's not, I don't think that's that close to Austin. (laughs) Texas is really big. I heard it's big. I've heard. (laughs) I've heard. It's like bigger than half of Europe. I don't know. It's not that big, but it's, it's big. (laughs) It's very big. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What what about you, Sean? What have you been up to? You, you, you're, uh, you're living in San Francisco now and you, we're, yeah, we're recording uh, this way too early for you. Uh, yeah. So the usual times I have not been able to make them because they're at 6 a.m. my time now. But uh, mm-hmm. I did move to San Francisco. Uh, we have been more or less immersing myself in AI engineering, quote unquote, um, which is a term I am semi making up, but also <laughs> has caught on a little bit uh, in the sense that the podcast that I work on and the newsletter and now the conference that I'm running uh, have all been tuned towards the persona of the AI engineer, which is a software engineer that is building with AI. 
and uh, that is meant to be a distinct profile demographic than the ML engineer or the research scientist. And yeah, I've been immersing in that for quite a bit. I'm currently back in London, um, uh, just on, uh, on, a, on a stop because I'm about to speak at a conference. And uh, even here, I'm meeting a whole bunch of AI engineers and it's been really rewarding, I guess. Um, and yeah, I think that's my update so far. Yeah, yeah, that's exciting. And you did, you did a, we did a podcast episode on on Svelte Radio about the yep. uh, about the basics or the an intro to to AI kind of thing that people should check out if they're interested in that. Um, yeah. So, what have I been doing this summer? I have been on a road trip to Norway. Well, that was the plan anyway. It started raining like torrential amounts of rain, so I had to had to cancel, go back home just sit in my apartment. Uh, that was fine, though. It was nice taking a break. But now they have conveniently uh, started uh, re... What's it called? They're like redoing the pipes and the sewage system in my apartment complex. So I have no wa running water. I have no sewage. So that's uh, that's nice. But yeah. Luckily, we, we have another apartment that we're living in in the meantime. So that's fine but it's like a mattress on the floor it kind of feels like the those pictures you see of uh, silicon valley people startup people just living in in san francisco they have a tv on a chair and then there's just a mattress on the floor i, don't I mean know if you've seen those pictures you say it's like a mattress on the floor kev but you are famous on this podcast for being in environments where there is just a mattress on the floor or a chair on the floor or like I don't know, nothing, is, I think it was one time, like an empty room. Um, I, w I would say that if, if it, it looks, Kev, a bit like your background always at all times. <laughs> well, I mean, th this is actually just like an office space where okay, I'm working a desk. That's, so. <laughs> that's different. That's different then. Because no, I, I honestly thought maybe, maybe it's a Scandinavian thing that this minimalist yeah. gone gone crazy, but... Um, but yep. no, I mean, mesh on the floor is de facto. <laughs> it's it's not by choice. Like, I, I would love to not sleep on the floor. <laughs> yes, wouldn't we all? Wouldn't we all? <laughs> yeah. So uh, lately I've been building the, the new Svelte Summit website. Uh, so that's launching today, uh, which would be a week ago if, you, if, you listen, if you're listening to this. It was meant to go out yesterday, but things happened. Um, and yeah, I've, I've been actually rebuilding it so I'm, I'm releasing the new, the, the new conference site, and then I'm also rebuilding, rebuilding it to be more dynamic so I don't have to like update it manually all the time, which I should have done like two years ago, but <laughs> better late than never. So there's that. That's, that's pretty much me. When is cool. it? Sorry? When is it? So it's on November 11th, and it's on the usual uh, URL, sveltsummit.com. Um, that's, yeah, that's you should always it. plug the dates and yeah, people no, you're right. Info. You're right. <laughs> you're right. Sveltsummit.com, November November 11th. CFPs are open. If you're interested in doing a talk, go submit one. That's it. <laughs> any any other personal updates or what's been going on lately? I think Brittany hasn't gone. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like life's just been crazy. Summer's always just nuts with the kids. Like we've been. We went to amusement parks. We went to a place called Cedar Point, which has, it used to have some of the 
uh, the biggest roller coasters in the world, but now like we rode the sixth tallest and fastest roller coaster. Got my son on that, but then he chickened out of like the next couple. <laughs> um, so he rode two, two there, and um, then we went to a more local one a couple weeks later with my younger one, and she got him on like pretty much everything there, except for the upside down stuff. Uh, but he did like an upside down one there, so I don't know. He's he's a funny beast that one. So I'm I'm trying to get him to be braver, but maybe as the little one gets older, because he's like I can't let the little girl like out outdo me on the big roller coasters. So he's right. like if she's gonna so. go, I have to go. <laughs> so um, yeah, we had fun this summer. Um, it was our first summer with a pool, so we spent a lot of time in the pool. It's the only nice time here in Michigan, so we didn't vacation a yeah. lot, but amusement parks and pool time. Yeah. It was I feel like Michigan is kind of like Sweden in that sense that like in the summertime you kind of want to enjoy the the place where you live. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. yeah. That's true. Just weirdly weirdly related to roller coasters because I mean um I used to love roller coasters as a kid as well. I still enjoy them now, the big ones, but um swings I used to really enjoy swings as a kid as well. And I like swings in the park and stuff. And I was always the one who tried to get over the top and all that kind of stuff. But the thing Do that, loops and stuff. Well, you can, you can get, if you swing hard enough, you can get the, the, you know, you get to the anti-gravity stage and then you suddenly go over the top, you know, you'll get right over the top of it, which is probably yeah. a bad idea really. But yeah. as a kid, you know, you kid, you kid things. But what I found is now having my own child who also seems to love swings. I sit on a swing next to her and try and swing and I feel physically sick. Like I really feel sick when oh, I swing. Yeah. How, when did that happen? Like I didn't use swings for 10 years. <laughs> you get and... old. <laughs> that's no, but that's not, to... that's not fair. <laughs> In your thirties probably at some point, like you just got old and you just don't realize it. And then you need Dramamine to go on roller coasters now. I, but I'm not so bad. Um, I can still do the loopy ones, and I will feel it after a few, but my husband, he took true Dramamines while we were there to go on the roller coasters, and then after the last one we went on, he's like, I can't do anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Are there drugs against, like, It's like anti, like, yeah, oh, yeah, motion sickness. It's the ones you take for cruise ships and boats. I have and, like, no idea. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard of those. I don't, I don't get it. That just, it came on, like, suddenly, you know, just like... When did that happen? Yeah. At what yeah. point, at what age did I stop being able to use a swing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you got old. <laughs> well, that's depressing. Anyway. Yeah. All right. So th that's that's uh, some, some fun updates from folks. Um, we also have some updates on, on Svelte and Kit, right? Oh. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so recently we got, we finally managed to, to get the on-navigate lifecycle hook, I guess you could call it, into kit. So that means that we can now very easily use the, uh, what's it called, view transition API that's been added to, to Chrome, which makes it super easy to do uh, page transitions as they, I guess you could figure it out from the name of the, the API. Only works in Chrome. I, I think I read somewhere or heard something about Safari adding it as well, or, they are going to add it at least, but we'll, we'll see how long that takes. The good thing about it is that it's uh, really a, a really nice candidate for progressive enhancement. So if it, it's just like a feature flag thing uh, or you check if it exists on the document and then if it works, it works. If it, if it doesn't work, you'll just get a, the regular old style thing. 
where you just get a flash or the content changes. Has anyone tried the Transitions API? I haven't. I want to. Um, I yeah. think it looks really good. And, and there's been a few hacks before that. I guess I guess I don't fully understand it, and I need to understand it first and then, and then use it, but it's definitely something interesting that I'd like to try. I feel like this needs to prove that people want it enough. I think it's the kind of thing that designers love because it looks slick. But then if it doesn't seem to actually benefit sites like Beyonk, then why do we have it? <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. I, obviously, I think we have it because you can't really do what this does inside of native JavaScript. You have to have some browser support for it. And the apps, um, like the native apps on, on mobile apps, um, have come with it. And so I think this is all part of the whole story about the web fighting back against the uh, closed gardens of the native mobile ecosystems uh, because the native mobile ecosystems offer better user experience. Mm. But I don't know. Like it's it seems like like it has to prove its value, and I don't know what needs to happen for it to go mainstream. Like you know, let's say Safari supports it tomorrow. I still don't see a whole bunch of people rewriting to add custom transitions, but maybe yeah. that can just come with some frameworks uh, out of the box. Right, so I guess my response would be that I, view transitions, when I say that I don't know, I don't, I need to understand them more. I guess what, I, what I'm thinking here is that I have two sort of destinations for them. One would be the, the main website, like the marketing site, and one would be the dashboard. I can envisage that flashy transitions are cool on a marketing site, but we're actually moving that to WordPress, so I can no longer use felt transitions. Um, but on the dashboard, I can see it having value um, you know, because it gives a better user experience and more like an app experience. But what I don't understand about them, especially in the Svelte ones, is how do I give it the contextual information it needs in order to transition from meaningful state A to meaningful state B? So if my page has got this div on it and I click that to change page, how does it know that that div becomes a focus or you know, elements of that div or, or things on screen become the focus and they get transitioned into the next page and everything else gets cleared out and then I have the new page in front of me. That's the bit I, I'm right. very unclear on. Yeah, so I, I think this is mostly done in CSS actually. So you, you define the the divs in CSS and you name a, a transition name, I think, that you okay. apply to, to the element. So I'm not sure entirely how much you actually need to do actual JavaScript to get this working. Right, because the JavaScript tried it. controls, I mean, I guess the JavaScript controls, it would be, you know, the the, the orchestration. Yeah, but I, I think that's only if, if you have an SPA, right? I think if it's an MPA, like it would just work, I assume. Maybe not. I, I'm, I'm not an expert. I don't know how it would work in MPA, because isn't that like clear the page and reload? Yeah, but that's that's the that's the thing with, with these view that's transitions. What, yeah. Transitions between actual reloads. Actual pages. And the, yeah. What, really? It's, yeah. It's, I thought it was view to view. Page transition like you, API. But I, thought that, that, but I thought that was like pages as in the virtual pages, which the SPA is made up of. Right. I, I like guess it could physical. be. Well, that's what I thought it was, because I can't I imagine how you transition research. smoothly. You know, request to the server, get a new page back in full, and I don't know. 
That is, like I said, I don't understand it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to understand it, but uh, I don't right now. Yeah. Yeah. I guess we'll have to deep dive, dive a bit deeper. Deep dive. <laughs> it's the view transition API. So it's not the page transition. Um, but I think it is between pages. It doesn't currently enable cross-document view transition. Oh, interesting. So that would mean it's not MPA. You so mean, it uh, transitions between states in spas. Right. That, that, okay. That's what I thought it was. Yeah. Yes. Because it's, it's, you have to retain the content of the page in, in some form. Yeah. Um, unless you had like streaming responses, maybe it would work. But I don't know how that would work even. And that, that's a whole different I, kettle of dogs. Oh. I mean, the, I, I would think the, the browser would be able to cache the, the old page and just check where the different... I just haven't played with these enough but to know. Oh, but is, there's something to do with the browser supporting it, isn't there? Yeah. Like Safari yeah, it's all doesn't browser support thing. it. Right, okay. Correct. Yeah, there's a lot I don't know. You don't yeah. know what you don't know, Kev. Yeah, maybe we should have uh, Jeffrey on. To do uh, to to help us understand this. That would sound good. Yeah. So I I guess that's what's new in 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 Kit, and on on the Svelte side we have we have a lot of uh, Svelte ambassadors Ooh. talking on Twitter about how they uh, how they're liking the new Svelte five and stuff. That's uh that's very cool. I wonder when it's coming. I guess we'll see. Because we can't I, talk. I've about heard it. nothing of it. I've heard nothing of no. it. Liars. Who are Me they neither. What do they do? I know nothing about not anything. <laughs> <laughs> that's but let's say that the let's say the addition of um of of Dominic to the team may or may not have influenced it somewhat. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. 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 But we don't know. Things may be so we should ask them. Yeah. Maybe I wonder if we'll get more magic or less magic. We'll see. Um, I wonder. Yeah. It's actually one thing I did learn about Dominic. Um, that Dominic was apparently one of the one of the, if not the person who decided React hooks should be called hooks. That's interesting. So he was very yeah. He was very pivotal in in the whole hooks movement, which is interesting. Yeah. Hmm. And he and he obviously I think he. Uh, I'm going to get this wrong, but he he invented em Ember, Ember, em the thing Ember that's days? fast for the it's, thing, not it, Ember. I think it's Inferno. Inferno, Inferno, Inferno the yeah. thing that was always faster in the benchmarks than Svelte. Like behind Vanilla, mm -hmm. uh, I think mostly, and then always faster than Svelte. And now, like he's in the Svelte column. So what? So what happens there? What happens well, there, yeah. everyone? I think maybe <laughs> what we can talk about is Rich shared some of the benchmarks for Spelt 5 um, that came out while we've been away. So, I mean, those benchmarks Supposedly. were very close to vanilla JS, which are like crazy fast. Yeah. Um, yep. I did, I did yeah. see a benchmark Exciting. that was faster than vanilla JS. I don't know how that works. <laughs> there was I, one. I saw one that was faster than. Like, how is that even possible? Because, I mean, really, it's like still <laughs> vanilla JS under the hood, right? Yeah. What kind of well, incantations yeah. are they doing there on the on, yeah. on the maintainer team? Yeah, it's absolutely, absolutely. Some kind of alchemy or something. I think, I think I did see um, some, like, vials of green liquid and stuff, so, yeah. Mm. <laughs> Who knows? 
but yeah, so uh, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll hopefully be seeing uh, more information soon. Yeah, I don't want to ruin the surprise. No. Yeah. Oh, you know, I, you no. know something, Sean? <laughs> <laughs> I actually do want to ruin yeah. the surprise, but I'm not going to. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's let's move on. Um, so this next next topic is a bit is pretty sad. Uh, so there was a community member called Ivan Hofer who passed away during a, an ultra marathon. He so he was responsible for doing uh, uh, the library called Type Safe Internationalization or I18N, which has been probably I I think it's pretty much been the go-to internationalization library for, for Svelte users for a while. So that's pretty sad. It's crazy how, and he was pretty young as well, so it's, it's kind of crazy to me that that these things happen. Uh, Especially when, when you're doing something that's ultimately you know a healthy thing. Uh, that's, yeah. that's probably the biggest surprising thing for me. Um, yeah, TypeSafe 18, 18N, we actually, we actually launched it literally the week after he died, unfortunately. Um, but it's wow. the, the reason we chose it is because so he was driving a, a thing within the maintainers actually um, that it would become it would start off as a third party thing and then eventually become the kind of de facto solution for for SvelteKit for internationalization. Um, so it's a real shame actually because I would have loved to see him you know spearhead that work and it become part of SvelteKit core. Yeah. Um, I think someone is stepping up to take his place, um, which is great that that, that, that can go on you know, and continue. Um, because it's, I mean, it's a great library. Um, I don't know much about TypeScript, obviously, but um, it's very type-focused, fo and that's good because it means that you kind of get hinting around when you're trying to translate your site. Um, you know, it's, it's tricky to wire in, but once it's wired in, it works really well. I mean, we, we launched with it, no issue at all, and it's it's in production now. So I highly recommend the library. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it's, and it's such a shame that I didn't actually get to talk to him. Yeah. Yeah, I, I only talked to him briefly and on discord uh yeah he did he's he submitted a, a svelte summit talk for for last svelte summit and uh oh, right that you can go check out and it's about type safe i18n so i would miss that one and there's also like a uh, i guess you could call it an obituary uh where people uh can translate messages using so it's a site that uh, dominic Dominic G, not the, the well, oh, <laughs> damn it. They're both called Dominic G. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the, complex. Oh, oh, OG Dominic. <laughs> oh, she, no, that's even more confusing. It's too hard now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's, so, it's Domin so Dominic with, OG, a, Dominic with a K and Dominic with a C. Yeah. Dominic with yeah. a K yeah. is the one who did the obituary. Yes. Yes, yeah. So that's basically a, a repo where you can add uh, a translation of the of uh, of a nice message uh, uh, that shows up on a on a website. So that that will be in the in the show notes. So you can open a PR and add a language that's missing. It's not there yet. Uh, yeah, I, th I think uh, I think that's it. Go check out his talks. And uh, and type safe i eighteen and definitely yeah definitely use a library I think it's uh, the most complete out there. Yep. All right, so um, showcases. There's been a couple of uh, cool uh, projects lately that I wanted to highlight. So this first one is called Sveltroid, and um, which is a 
it's pretty cool. It's like a super Metroid implementation for the web, kind of using all sorts <laughs> of different uh, kind of technologies. And the the UI or the HUD heads up display stuff is made using Svelte. So that's that's cool. And I've reached yeah, out that... to. I, so I was going to say, I think I think the actual game engine is written in three JS, I believe. Um, and yeah, the hood, the hoods in Svelte. I've never played the game, but I mean, it looks a bit to me like Half Life or Doom or whatever. I don't know if people play nowadays these yeah. kids, but, but yeah, it's really cool. It's really really cool. Yeah, it's a it's a first person kind of game. Um, and I've reached out to I, I think he's called Jason. No, Tyler, Tyler, and asked him to come on the on the podcast. So maybe we can awesome. Maybe we can hear him talk about this himself. I mean, it's quite a feat to build out in three JS as well. I'm, I'm really impressed with it. It's one of those yeah. things where I genuinely have no idea uh, how how I would even start that kind of thing. Um, it's kind of it's kind of also me and AI right now. Sorry, Sean, it's true. I just don't know how I would even <laughs> begin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, next up, I wanted to highlight uh, Joy of Code or Matia. Uh, he's also an ambassador. Uh, his library called Animotion, which is a really cool uh, library that you can use to make presentations with animations and all this cool stuff. And you can also use it to record videos. So, well, you would use it and then record the the actual slides, I guess. So it's pr pretty nice. Has, has anyone tried it? I have no. not, but it certainly yeah. sounds interesting. And, uh, but, but they're like, uh, he, he's done a video on it as well. And it looks pretty nice. Definitely. Has anyone invented time using. yet? Because I think time is the thing that <laughs> prevents me from trying most of these things out. I mean, I would just love to like sit here and just try everything. Cause there's, the stuff people build is amazing, and and every time I do try something with some, you know, with some anger, um, it, it's like, oh, I can use this, and all these ideas come, and you apply it to this and apply it to yeah. that, and I just think if I had like time to do a hundred percent of these things, I would I would be so much more productive, and I wouldn't be, which is you know the irony of the whole thing, but I would be more productive because I'd think like, bang, problem, apply that, apply that, apply that, and it's it's just um, yeah, it's the curse, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, if you if like if you if you get kids, I hear that's a a time sink. No, not at all. They're um they're fine. They're just uh barely barely impact my time at all. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I I think that's it for unless we have other other topics that you guys want to talk about, we can move on to the 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 most important uh, sections of the of the show. Oh. Unpopular opinions. Well, I'm not and, my desk. Uh, I haven't got mine. I. I guess we can let Anthony go first. Uh, what's, a, what's an unpopular opinion? Um, I mean, I, I don't really have any of these, do I? Uh, unpopular opinions. I haven't really thought of one this time, actually. I mean, I'm sat in a WeWork, and it's, and it's a fostering place for unpopular opinions because, honestly, it's the most work-hostile environment I've ever been into. Um, I really I really don't like it. Um, and, and no one else seems so to like it. So why are you there? So why are we here? Because my company's based here because it's kind of de facto, isn't it? And um, I think what we're going to do is probably consider options because I don't think I don't think anyone wants to be here, to be honest. Um, so I'll sit here quite happily in here and say this is a bit crap. Um, that's my unpopular opinion. Uh, who's next? I could go. Or Sean, do you want to? Oh, no, I was going to ask for parenting unpopular opinions. So you, surely you must have some. 
<laughs> oh, parenting popular. I mean, I mean, it's weird because I think that I don't really have unpopular opinions about parenting. I think what I have is so there's there's all these rules online, and you you, know, you have a baby, and you start reading all this kind of crazy stuff about how to look after them, how to treat them, what's best for babies, and and one thing that always sticks in your mind is is, is this whole this whole SIDS, this whole cot death thing, right? Which is the most horrendous thing imaginable, little babies dying in their cots and you're asleep and they just die or whatever. It's just, I mean, it's just unthinkable. And you, so you get so worried about that. And one of the things they always tell you is that you must keep them at a certain temperature between 16 degrees and 20 degrees. And and our baby was born in summer, right? Our room, our bedroom gets to 35 degrees in summer sometimes, right? It's really, really hard to cool our house down. So it's almost impossible to start with to try and solve this problem. Um, but on top of that, also, my wife is very different to me in the way how she keeps hot. So my wife is never, ever warm enough. She will sleep in summer under a 13-time blanket with, with extra fleecy blankets, pyjamas, you name it. I will be, like, trying to peel my skin off to be even more naked than I already am. Like, I literally, I, I will always overheat and she will always freeze. And so we're like, well, what? which one is the baby? And it seems like it's a bit more towards Verity because we literally took her in in 24 degrees in our room on, on a regular basis and she gets cold and only when she's got a fleecy blanket on top of her merino wool bed bag which is on top of a merino wool like a like a sleep suit is she warm enough to sleep through and i'm swear i swear like it's that's hot that's really hot and if you were if you were to read any of this stuff online you'd be like oh we're just gonna kill her like but it's it's not like that it, every baby is so different to the tune of maybe 20 degrees uh in, in body temperature like it's it's oh, wow. crazy it's absolutely crazy so yeah, my my opinions are don't don't believe what you read online, don't assume that that all this this common this very very common advice is correct for your child. Um, you really have to just live and learn, I guess. When my kids were babies, it was always just don't let them roll onto their stomach, like yeah. keep them on their backs. And yeah, <laughs> I've never heard the heat thing, and so oh, the heat was terrifying. <laughs> but the, the the rolling over one. So what what the midwife told us is um is that. In, in the 80s when, when I was born, um, the advice was was front sleeping. So they literally would have to put you face down in your cot to sleep. And and no one no one made the link here between, there had to be like some stupid figure, a large percentage over. of cot death. And someone went, do you think it's because they're on their, on, their, on, their, um, on their face and they suffocate in a blanket? Oh, maybe. And so the next advice was to put them, apparently in the 90s or something, side sleeping. So you sleep them on the side, which is, Impossible to sleep baby on its side, by the way. You can't do yeah. it. They, they just they roll onto their backs. I mean yeah. and babies when they're born can't actually roll all the way over, which is like why no, they sleeping try. on their <laughs> bellies is really bad. And sleeping on their backs they can't turn over themselves. So sleeping yeah. on their backs is so back that's it. Best is what they they said. Yeah, so in the UK at some point the National Health Service said sleep on the back is the way to do it. And after that happened, the SIDS rates dropped like yeah. hundreds and hundreds of times like oh okay that makes sense you know how did it take us so long to learn this yeah and how did how did we go through all the stages of different ways to sleep before we figured out maybe one where, where the mouth is in the air is the best one and so you call but, it hey, hot death and you said SIDS but it stands for yeah. sudden infant death syndrome yes that's it's it yes sudden no, infant death someone syndrome. that doesn't know what we're talking about <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it's i mean it's yeah. Sudden, sudden infant death syndrome is a, is a weird phrase because it's basically suffocation. I mean, yeah. there's lots of different other ones as well, like overheating and stuff, but suffocation was 
whilst there probably still is a main cause of it, blankets in the cot, they can suffocate toys in the cot. So you, yeah. you, you can have a bed bag because it sticks to them, but you can't have anything else near the baby in the cot because they might get it in their mouth and then, and then, and then, SIDS, right? It sounds super yeah. scary to have a baby. It's, oh, it's, it's a learning experience and it and you could definitely yeah. scare yourself and you could also get scared but uh, you know it's one yeah. of those things where the trade-offs are, are worth it i still go in every single night and make sure my children are breathing it is like <laughs> yeah just i think forever ingrained in me now just to like yeah. go in and check on them <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean oh, it makes sense and since the age of 12 months she loves sleeping on her front she won't sleep any other way so you know you have to deal with it you just make sure there's no obstructions and Oh, I think after like three months, you're you're pretty safe. Really, it's eighteen With... months they say in the UK. But again, it's that online thing. It's what you read online. Oh. It, apparently, SIDS is, is most prolific up to eighteen months. And after that, there's that nearly either. no cases at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Source the internet. Source okay. the well, it's it's NHS, so it's a little bit more legitimate. But yeah, okay. but certainly yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> so you mentioned you mentioned uh, your wife, and you have super different. Uh, like mm. sleeping temperatures. Have you heard about this uh, eight sleep thing? Yes, and I want one, but it's two and a half grand and then a subscription. Yeah. Yeah. What? Yeah. I'm not paying yeah. that. <laughs> so, so if, if Sean and Brittany, if you haven't heard of this, it's like a it's like a water cooled mattress cover with two zones that you can change individually, so you can sleep in the perfect temperature. And Alan it's, Huberman uh, recommends it. But like, yeah, what? yeah. Maybe Alan can afford cover, it. Like two and a half grand yeah. in yeah, so, a subscription. That sounds ridiculous. Yeah. I, I think for me, it's the, it's the subscription that yeah. really yeah, stays. Why like, do you need a subscription? Why? And buy. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Because, because they can make money out of it, right? And yeah, they want to. And ima I mean, imagine the that people buying these, they, people buying these have, have tons of money, right? So another yeah. 20 bucks a month for, for a subscription is nothing. All I'll Wait. say is that every good idea can be cloned. Mm-hmm. And somebody will. So I look will. forward to the clones. Yep. All right. Uh, I, I can go next. So my unpopular opinion is that you don't need a lot of equipment to do content. I since so they they've they've been renovating my my bathroom now for a while, and uh, they're going to for nine weeks, and I record at home. I create content at home. I have my camera and all of this stuff, but I've I've decided that I'm just gonna sell all of that stuff and buy like a what's it called like a lav mic instead. Yeah, I love them. I've got those. And then me. yeah, and then I'm just gonna use an iPhone to record the the actual like face of myself. So you don't need more. I did a talk with um, Zach Leatherman. 11D creator and we talked about Jamstack the other day on Cloudcan and his new company um, their YouTube channel and one of the people that were with us was using their iPhone and I swear it had better quality than my DSLR and I today we had so many audio troubles getting in here and yeah. I switched off my Yeti mic and I'm using the MacBook and the Mac camera and Anthony's using the MacBook. I mean, we're all like just like it's technology has come so far. Like who? I'm cares? slimming it. I don't even have a light. Look at that. Slimming it, yeah, but I mean, <laughs> it's not the Mac. The FaceTime camera is not the greatest, but the no. I 
iPhone and like any smartphone. I used to use my smartphone as my camera. It, yeah. It's fine. Yeah. It's good. It's what I was saying. Sorry. All right. That's not, I, that's, that's that's not that's popular, I don't think. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like every time you go online, it's like always, oh, you need this camera, you need this, th oh, this, well, this, and this. If you listen to all yeah. the like tech YouTubers yeah. and. <laughs> yeah. But there was this eraser camera. I think we talked about it uh, a while back. That, that seemed really good. Scott's got one. Scott Spence has uh, a posh webcam. Yeah. yeah, he seems to like it. It looks good. Yeah, it looks good. Yeah. We should have Scott back on. I hear he has a new yeah. gig. Yes. He has yeah. got a new gig, yeah. And his full-time gig is running Svelte London for me, because i tell you what, <laughs> I've got no time to do it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I went to Svelte London, and you mm. weren't there. So nope. I may have attended more Svelte London than you. <laughs> you have recently, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> at least this year. <laughs> yes. I guess I can quickly uh, go on to mine, unless, Brittany, you have something that you want to uh, mention. I'm still thinking, so go for it. Okay, well, uh, I can share one. I can donate one to you if you want to talk about it as a fellow ex-Netlify employee. <laughs> uh, Jamstack is dead. Uh, well, I just had this conversation. I, I can't yes. say Jamstack is dead. We just talked about it. <laughs> <laughs> Jamstack is alive. That okay, so maybe unpopular opinion is Jamstack is alive. <laughs> yeah, so that that was what the conversation was about. Is Jamstack dead? Is it worth saving? Like, does it need to have this hard line of like, what is the philosophy behind Jamstack? Do we want the... And basically, like, Jamstack was about the community behind it. And I think it can still be, like, what Veet has become to the community. And it can have an architecture, but that doesn't mean it has to be you have to have this architecture or you're shamed from being in this community. And that's so it's becoming agile. And then it also like started evolving and adapting because Netlify was playing catch up to Next.js and they started adding too much into it and evolving it that people didn't know what it was. And then now they're, they killed off the discord because there was nobody coming to the community because they felt shamed or they didn't know what Jamstack was anymore. And it lost what it was. I don't think that means it's dead. I think Jamstack, so the philosophy, the architecture still does exist. You can still create performant sites that are static by default that have like you can use serverless functions. You can make them um, progressively enhanced, but performant by default. And I think that falls into that Jamstack philosophy. And you can have that community around it, and that can live on without needing all of the other Netlify garbage attached to it. <laughs> but it's forever going to be attached to Netlify. What do you mean, garbage? I just, <laughs> what? These uh, ex-Netlify people here having a bit of a... I said this in the thing. I was like, because Phil did a good job of explaining, like, why they switched the meaning of Jamstack and why they brought in all of this other stuff. Like, it didn't have to mean just static content. As the web was evolving, it had to evolve. Okay. And I was like, 
But in the same sense, Netlify's business. They also had to think that Next.js was just taking off and leaving them in the dust. That had to also play into it that they had to include Next.js in the Jamstack or that was going to exclude the biggest framework from the Jamstack. And so mm-hmm. I think that that played into that evolving a little bit. And that that's what I meant by garbage. Not that Netlify is garbage, just that I think the business attaches too much to the Jamstack and you can never separate the two. Yeah. Yep. They're tied at the hip. Um, yeah. Cool. Well, uh, that was an unpopular discussion or opinion, whatever <laughs> that calls it, but it's worth having because it happened, you know, in the time that we were off and it's, it is a major discussion topic for web development. Um, I have a slightly, different one, which is that Mm -hmm. I I, I don't think it's unpopular right now, but I I think it was unpopular as of a month ago, which is that Bun has beat Deno, um, you know, in in terms of the new JavaScript runtime race. And it's, to me, very interesting. And uh, I think I'll be honest, something that I was wrong about. Um, I had looked at Deno as the attempts that was had far more backing because it was run by Ryan Dahl and had uh, you know sort of module like sort of the ESM uh, future of JavaScript in mind, mm-hmm. whereas something with um, backward compatibility with Node and run by someone with relatively less experience in open source um, would struggle. And uh, as you as you you guys have all seen in the past month, um, I think that opinion has completely reversed, and now much people are much more likely to try Bun purely because of the faster installation times and nothing else. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then sure. and then they'll they'll learn about the kind of require and important same file and all that kind of fun stuff. And and it's like Dino Dino Deno whatever it's called. It you know I, I guess it it's. Um, it you know it gave you TypeScript on Node, but I didn't hear that much outside of that. That's like one thing, and it didn't interest me anyway. Whereas Bun has just solved loads of problems, which is well, we think it has. That, that's the marketing, and I think the the marketing is definitely a part of it. But also, I guess the prioritization of of uh, what is important in terms of people's pain points. Yeah. Um, Dino also shipped npm support, so you can import npm modules in. Dino, uh, because guess what? Ryan wrote the node resolution uh, algorithm, so he knows how yeah. to support NPM packages. It just wasn't part of the original design goal, and he's uh, basically had to compromise at every stage in, because Bun uh, went for full node compatibility, and uh, now we are where we are. And it's very interesting because uh, it turns out that speed is just a very effective marketing tactic, and Dino, yeah. for whatever reason, never communicated that as a, as a priority. Well, I, I guess, yeah, I guess what I mean, not, not necessarily the node compatibility, but the fact it can import, it can do import and require in the same file, CGS and EJ, ESM. That was like a major pain, pain point that you see again and again and again on Twitter. And to go and attack that and address that problem, that for me is a real, like, that's got people talking about it. Everyone likes speed, right? That's cool. But that thing there was like, that's solidified everyone's mind. I must try this thing. It solves my massive pain point that I will encounter at some point, and and that's that pretty. That's is pretty what's drawing me to it. But I did yeah. see something about that support may be slower for some things to bun. Is that 
like does any i haven't tried bun yet and i don't know is that going to be true like is it going to be slower to support future stuff i i i don't think so like it it depends on what webkit supports right or what what's it called javascript core is the javascript engine of webkit uh, so since so node is based on v8 right so that's chrome but bun is based on the safari version and so oh, okay. it it depends on what what the safari people put it put in javascript core i guess but they, they're supposed to be to be compatible with each other right but as we as we all know there are issues with browsers on the web not doing the same thing so yeah i think you'll always find incompatibility with with something that that basically tries to implement something else exactly if um, bun can do this esmcjs support why can we not get this in node because i i understand and i could be wrong but i understand it's because of the the way it's done is fundamentally different um the way import works is async it's a completely different paradigm and I think that unless you build it from the ground up with the view to support both, it's very, very hard to retrofit because you've gone down a certain path and a lot of decisions hinge off that that initial decision. Um, I did see that it could be done in Node, but it would be very, very difficult to do that in Node. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I've i tried using Bun for a SvelteKit project and it's it's really nice um, using, I'm, I'm using specifically the SQLite support which is built in into no into bun mm. uh, so you don't have to import like a, a library for that but i hear there are some some missing features that are apparently very important to people so you can't really use it yet i'm yeah. not sure if if this is actually a, a real 1.0 or if it should have been maybe a 0.9 or like well it's close. 101 now <laughs> yeah yeah right but you you get what i mean right it, I think it's, yeah, it's I think very it's close, but it's not it's not yeah. quite there yet. I think it's test in public. Everyone everyone's obsessed with yep. one point zero and there's a whole movement around don't ever yep. release version one, right? Um it's a question that's asked a lot. Is 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 Svelte kit ready? It is at one before one point zero, when's one point zero? Yep. Why do you want one point zero? Because then it's ready for production. Well it's not, it's just a number. It doesn't mean anything, right? It may yep. it may mean stability in the API, but that it depends on who's, have... who's doing it. Theoretically, um, so, less breaking changes until yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's still up to the maintainers who do it to decide yeah. to to respect Semver in that way, isn't it? There's nothing saying one is good and zero is not good. Um, but I think I think that yeah, I, I would do what he's done and, and rush it out a bit earlier than than it's ready, ready because you want to get feedback and, and test that way, and that's how you find what's important to people. Yeah. Um, but I think I think I, mean, I wouldn't put it in production anyway. Um, uh, Definitely not yet, but I think for a while I wouldn't use it in dev environments only because that's definitely you're putting in production something different to you've got in, in dev environment. That's almost bad. So I think you know it's good that it's out there and we can use it for small stuff and experiment, but it's just not it's not ready yet. It's just not ready um, in in real world terms. The other thing is I did try it the other day with my API, and Mongo does not like it at all, or vice versa. Like the, there was loads of issues there, and I think one thing that someone else has mentioned is that the support for Whatever the stuff that need, is needed by Sharp, um, which is a lot of native bindings, does not work and will not work for a while because it's quite hard to implement. I think Jared might even said that himself. Um, but yeah, so that that will I don't, I try to avoid native libraries where I can, but that will be a blocker for a lot of people as well that use native stuff. Yeah. Brittany, do you have a? Oh, I feel like mine was the Jamstack stuff. So. Yeah, I guess, I guess, <laughs> I guess yours, was, yours was the Jamstack one. All right, 
cool, cool. Cool. Then, then it's the the final section of of the show. The picks, Sean. You Popular have one. Opinions. I like your pick as well. By the way, let's, okay. Let's hear so about I'll it. start off with one. Um, I think this past week was the single best week of TV in maybe the past two years that I've seen. So we had both Foundation season two episode nine and Ahsoka episode four, both of which are very good. And I think. After a little bit of a slump, um, as the Marvel TV shows declined in quality, everyone hates on Secret Invasion, and that was not very good. But uh, I think Apple is picking it back up, and Star Wars is picking it back up. So, um, highly recommend catching up on Foundation. Go through season one and two, yeah, and it's really get up good. to episode nine. Um, it might feel slow, but it's all building up towards. Uh, I, I think I, I've been calling this sort of the Game of Thrones strategy. Game of Thrones. Famously, the episode nines of every season are the big budget episodes where uh, a lot happens and and it's very high budget, a lot uh, you know a lot of action, uh, and that seems to be what's happening for Foundation. Um, and uh, yeah, I highly recommend it. I feel like if I talk more about it, it would uh, be a spoiler for for it. Uh, yeah. It's basically an adaptation of the Isaac Asimov novels, but with an addition of something that they call the Cleonic Dynasty, which is a completely, uh, it was a concept introduced just for the TV show. And apparently the only thing that people like about it. <laughs> so um, so everything adapted from the books, uh, the sort of Gale and Savo, Savo Hardin storyline uh, was very boring to most viewers. Uh, but the stuff that was invented just for the TV show is very compelling and, and drives a lot of viewers. And um, I think there was some resolution there this season. But I like it anyway, and uh, it's just very good escapist science fiction. So um, that's my recommendation. Yeah. Very, very nice, like production value as well. Like yeah. All of the anime, like the the graphics and everything is really, really nice. I thought a couple of the earlier episodes were like sluggish, but then like towards the end of the season was really good. So yeah, fight yeah, through those episodes is what I'm saying. <laughs> 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 it's it's funny you you mentioned the like the the part that they added to the show was the part that people liked. I feel like usually it's the other way around with with adapt adaptations. Yeah, it is. Like The Witcher is people are not really liking the the direction there, etc. But yeah. I mean, so much so that Henry Cavill left The Witcher, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And yeah. unfortunately also got dumped for Superman. Yeah. I wonder yeah. what he's going to be doing now. Oh, I think he's going to be working on Warhammer. So, Warham- uh, yeah, Warhammer TV show or yeah. something. Or a um, movie. Yeah. So the, the explanation for Foundation is that uh, the, the book itself is extremely hard to adapt into a TV show because it spans thousands of years in timeline, and therefore the characters change a lot. So in order to make the TV show make sense, they had to invent characters that would be effectively immortal, and that's what they did without giving yeah. it too much away. No, that, that's that's a good summary. Um, have you guys seen the Wheel of Time mm-hmm. series? Yeah. Yeah. Nope. Uh, yes. Have you read the books? No, I I got yeah, them. because I haven't started them. Yeah, because this is a show that I I was very excited about, but I I was very disappointed because I've read the books and it's nothing like the books. They they've like changed everything. It's only like yeah. the characters in name, basically. And then everything is just happening randomly that happens in the book. 
books, but it's, it's, yeah. Don't read the books if you like the show. This is going to ruin the show. That's really interesting. Oh, I <laughs> there are like 14 books. Another good TV recommendation that we watched was Wool is the name of the book, but the name of the TV show is Silo on Apple TV. Yes. Um, it was so good. And I'm reading the book now and it is very close to the book. Um, there are some things that they changed just to like move the story along a little faster, but um, I'm really enjoying the book it's very now. Very good. Yeah. I've, I've, I've watched that as well. Definitely something you should watch if you like Foundation, Sean. Mm-hmm. All right. Picks? I don't have one, so y- you guys go ahead. That was my pick, I guess. Anthony. Okay. I have one. Okay. Yeah, yeah, one. So I have a condition. So what, what it is, it's not. I mean, it's, it is and it isn't. So there's a thing called restless leg syndrome or RLS. And some people have it and no one's ever been able to explain why it happens, what it is, how to solve it, how to cure it. You, have, you, know, you look online, it's like, oh, you can't cure it. It's just a thing. And it's when you get really tired uh, or exhausted, your legs just want to move. You can't not move your legs. Um, people people tap their feet because of it sometimes. You see them tapping their feet. It's probably because they've got RLS. It's like, it's like a pain that starts in your muscles. And if I try and hold my legs still when I've got it, like they will it will build and build and build until I have to just like squirm and like you're trying to lie in bed trying to sleep and your legs are squirming and no one's ever like been able to say what this is and doctors don't know and I was just randomly mentioning it to my to my uh, sister-in-law and she said oh yeah it's a magnesium deficiency I mean what what and um and so I'm like what do you mean she's like oh hang on a minute comes back with this um like a jar of tablets uh magnesium three and eight that she got from Amazon I'm like, what? No, it's not. I mean, you, you're making this up. And she's like, yeah, it just solves it. I'm like, all right, give me them. So she gave me these two tablets, um, just magnesium, um, and half an hour, and it was gone. And I was just like, what? My entire life, I didn't know this was a thing, and now it's just solved it. And and so I took these tablets when I get it, and it, it solves it. Half an hour, it's gone, finished. And it's a magnesium deficiency. And and the best bit is that you can just take these, because it, if you have this, you generally have a magnesium deficiency. You take these to sleep and they're like the best sleeping tablets ever. So I can wake up feeling like a train's hit me in the morning just by taking these completely natural, um, you know, uh, it's like it takes vitamins, you know. And honestly, like the sleep I get from having those is amazing. It's so solid. Um, and sleep is good, actually. So, yeah, magnesium three and eight. I think that's how you pronounce it. I don't know. But it's good. It's good stuff. So next up, we uh, we're doing a sponsor spot for Athletic Greens. Uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, we are actually doing it. I was going to say, yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> that All would right. be funny. Uh, so, <laughs> so I I think that's it. Thanks everyone for watching and listening to us. Watching and uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Kevin. If you like the show, please drop a review on your favorite podcast player. It would help out a lot. Thanks.